Philippians chapter 3, we have a few more weeks on this series, and Jonathan or Joshua, can you put that flyer up or that slide up? And uh, we've been talking about how uh, Paul's joy ride, and we've been calling this a joy ride. And today we're going to see that uh, some rides can give you joy and some rides can cause you to be scared. And uh, we're going to see here that Paul, on one, one side, he was encouraging people to, um, to grow in their faith and everything. Joshua's out there, got a finger on up, and uh, said it'll be there for itself. But uh, I want to ask you a question before we get started in prayer. How many of you have ever set goals at the beginning of the year? Raise your hand. Okay? A few of y'all. How many at the end of the year completed those goals and you felt, you said, I feel like I have completed some goals and I feel good? Raise your hand. How many have ever started those goals? You say, I'm going to go to diet. I'm going to do this. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this. Okay. I'm going to read through the Bible here. I'm going to be a faithful church. Okay. But then how many in midway, usually they say about 30 days into it, you get sidetracked and you say, I didn't hit my goal this year. Anybody ever that? Honesty, my hands are raised, you know. And, you know, all of us should have goals, okay? If you don't have goals, you ain't going nowhere in life. I remember when I came here, and uh, there's a lot of things we have gotten done, uh, but there's still a couple things that, that I haven't feel like I haven't accomplished that I want to still get done. And there, there's still some things that I look back on. I said, well, that's done. Okay, so, but there's other things that need to be done now. And uh, you, you have to set goals. In life, you have to set goals. I hope you have financial goals. I know that I took that, Mark, what was that course you took for the, the talk to young adults about the financial thing, Larry? Yeah, Larry Burkett. And I had some, some goals to try to be you know, financially stable and set free and have a little bit of money in the bank and set free. And I tried to work at that, and it just didn't happen. And it's a little harder in today's inflation and everything, too, amen. But uh, uh, how many, again, realize that goals are important? Everybody sets goals, you know. Uh, I was watching Tom Brady the other day, Coach, and uh, he said, what's your goal for the year? And he says, always, you get back to the Super Bowl. That's his and he said, uh, is there anything missing? He, they were doing a little interview with him, and they said, you've won seven interviews. And he said, is there anything missing? He said, there's just something still missing, but it's not a Super Bowl. He just, he said, I couldn't explain it. And the Christian commentary said, yeah, it's, it's God. <laughs> you have all the money in the world here, but uh, you got super, seven Super Bowl rings, and you, you're married to a model, and you live in a beautiful house, but you don't have God. And he couldn't, he could not explain it here, but... You can't explain a gay guy like Tim Tebow, who people said your goal was to be the NFL, and then he didn't make it for a few years, and his last play was with the Jets. But he established some goals to get married, to stay pure, to build hospitals everywhere and help people, Down syndrome's children. And goals are important here. And when you go back to Paul... Paul had a goal in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection 
So he wanted to know God. He wanted to experience that power of God in his life and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. And in that passage, ready um, ought to be a goal in life. To know Christ more. You know, I, again, I'm celebrating 32 years in ministry, went to Bible college here, got a business degree already, and I feel like I, I know a lot about the Bible, but a last couple Sunday school classes, Debbie taught me something that I never saw, and then today, Kenny brought out a point about, on a missionary team, about how two were called, one went, and I said to myself, Man, Kenny, I never, I never saw that. I learned something new in Sunday school today here that, that honestly, I taught through that passage a lot of times. And, and how many agree that we, all, we, we can learn more, better on this issue? Now, if you were to grade yourself here, okay, uh, how would you grade yourself here? Okay. Now, I'm not talking about if you first get started when you're saved here. You might be a, like me. I was a D, and I did a lot of bad things here, and, and I went up, and now I, 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 I know who. It's not Job, it's Job, and it's not Palms, it's Palms, and I know who Daniel is, and I know a little bit about the Bible after 32 years, but I still feel like I haven't obtained more. And how many of you all think it's important to not only know Christ, to not only have that knowledge up there, how many of you think it's important to be like him? I mean, that ought to be a goal for you to be like Christ here. Now, if you look back at your life from last year, okay, did you set some goals that you said, hey, I got to work on this in my life here? Now, how many agree we, we all is, do you have... a goal to be all that Christ has for you, your life. You realize you only have one life, and you ought to say, I want to be what, that's what God wants me to be. That's, that's my goal, to be what God wants me to be here. And, uh, you know, a lot of Christians, they leave that out. They say, hey, I'm saved. I got fire insurance here. You know, hey, that, that's good. Periodically, I'll hit church, miss church, do this a little bit here. But actually, Doing a work that God's called me to do in the ministry or, or outside the church or doing something uh, of service that God wants me to do, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. And that's the failure of the church is that we are not becoming like Jesus Christ. Did Jesus Christ just have a bunch of head knowledge and, and did he become like or did he actually go out in the villages and did he actually do ministry? Now, how many agree that, that we, ought to, we ought to have a goal to find some kind of, whatever ministry it is? I, don't, I, I can't tell you what kind of ministry it is, but I want you to look here, and we're going to look at some things. And I, I, have, a, I have a little, a, uh, two little, quick little video clips, because today's context deals with 
a runner running a race, and he's trying to finish that race, and he gives it all he can. But he's also talking about a runner that actually looks behind, and then whenever you look behind, you can get yourself in trouble as well, too. Amen. So we're going to talk about the importance of not looking behind, although we know what's behind us, but giving all we got with the remainder of our life here, amen, and saying, I don't know when I'm going to die, and I want to give it all I got here. And we're going to see here, this ought to be your goal, but sadly to say, most Christians don't give God all they got. They give him the leftovers. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> Most Christians in America give God the leftovers. They say, hey, God, I got saved. I'll hit church every once in a while. I'll do this here, and I'll do this, and maybe I'll do this for you. But most Christians give God the leftovers. And that's not the way Paul looked at life here. And you don't have to be a pastor. You can be a layman. But you ought to say, with my life, I'm going to give him. I'm going to be all, all that I can be for him. And I want you to go ahead and, Ronnie, can you ask God's blessings? Because we're going to see some points of how Paul says someday we're going to be like Jesus Christ in heaven. Literally, we're going to be like him someday, okay? So does that mean that we just say, all right, we're going to be like Jesus Christ someday in heaven? And just sit back and just say, okay, when we get to heaven? Or does it matter that we be like Jesus Christ now on earth here? So go ahead and ask God's blessings here. Yes, yes, Lord. God touching you. Yes. Amen. If I'd ask you, what is your pursuit in life? Okay. Elon Musk is the richest man in the world here, and he is pursuing something. Can somebody tell me what he's pursuing? Money here, okay. A lot of people are pursuing something in life here. And even some Christians, they are pursuing something in life, okay. And Paul basically outlines what he is pursuing here. And he tells us, after he has written this letter, he is wanting to know Christ. He wanted to know his power. He wanted to be part of his fellowship here. But then he gets down to verse 12, and I want you to notice in verse 12, it says, not as though I had already what? Obtained. I haven't arrived here. Either we're already 
perfect here. In other words, I don't, I don't have this perfect knowledge. I'm not an A++++. I don't know it all about Christ, even though I got to see, go to heaven here. I don't know everything. I'm not totally like him. But what's he do? He says, but I do what? I follow what? After it. That means he pursues it here. Now, even the greatest probably Christian in the New Testament here says, I am not perfect and I have not arrived here. Now, that's the starting point in any spiritual goal here is to realize I have not arrived to perfection. I don't care if you've been saved for 30, 40 years, 50 years here. You have not arrived and you have not finished until you go to heaven. You have not finished everything God has for you in your life. Okay, God has something to the very last breath in your life that something you can do. Maybe your health, you can't do what you used to do here, and, but you can pray, and, and, you, and some people give, and some people do these things, but you can do something here. But Paul realizes something here that all of us need to realize is, number one, that we haven't obtained that, okay? And we haven't, uh, we don't have that perfect knowledge. Now, when will that happen? When we get to heaven. We're going to see here. Uh, when we get to see Jesus, 1 John chapter 3, we're going to see this in a few minutes, we're going to be exactly like him, okay? That's when all this perfect knowledge takes place. That's when we're going to be all him. So how many agree with me with a good amen, okay, that nobody in this room is perfect and has arrived? Okay. I've been in ministry a long time. Many of you have been saved for a long time. Many of you know the Bible probably maybe just as much as you, but let me tell you, every Christian in this room, young and old here, you need to realize that you are not perfect and you are not arrived. That means that you need to be growing. You need to pursue that growth. You need to never stop growing here. Now, what happens when you stop growing here? What happens? Does it affect other people when you say, I've arrived you know, I'm a little bit better than Ronnie here, or Ronnie may, could say, well, I'm a little bit better than Jacob here. I, I, I've been, I'm 80-some years old. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit better here. What happens if Ronnie would just say, I'm arrived here? He stops growing, and he stops doing everything God has for him the rest of his life here. Now, do you realize a lot of Christians get to that point in their life? I don't know about you. I remember the day God got a hold of me. <laughs> I remember that night here at 12.20 in the morning behind a cash register with my drinking buddies out there all drunk, and I had a gospel track here in my pocket, and I kneeled behind a cash register, and God got a hold of me. He apprehended me, but I had a problem. For several months, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I know he had a hold of me, but I wanted to do what I wanted to do here, and I didn't have apprehensions of him. So, Mark, apprehend me. Try to be gentle up here. Okay, okay. Mark, okay, yeah, that's good, that's okay. good. Okay, okay. I, I, don't, I don't need okay. to. Okay. okay. So, Mark has ap apprehended me, like, on, like what happens with Paul. Now, have I apprehended Mark? No. What happened to Paul is God got a hold of Paul, so I'm going to be oh, Superman, okay? So what happens is now I have to apprehend him. Now, you can go ahead and sit down real quick, okay? Thank you for not breaking my neck. And, so, uh, and uh, maybe it might have helped it. But my point is, okay, how many of you see in that verse three times, three times the word apprehended is used? Now, did God get, get a hold of Paul in a mighty way? How, do you, how many of you remember the day God got a hold of you? 
Remember, Brother Gary, they said you jumped a tent revival and you jumped over chairs and things like this. And I think, Brother Kenny, I think you told the story about your son, Kevin. And he always tells, I'm not going to have him tell, but he tells tears and things like this. And I remember Ronnie telling the story and, and, and other people have. That's when God got a hold of you. But can you remember the day that God, you said, God, I want to get a hold of you here. Now, everybody likes it. I'm saved, right? Everybody likes it. God apprehended me here. He's not going to let me go. But have you ever, my sheep hear my voice here, and they follow me here. And you realize what Paul says here, it came to realization here that he's got me, but I have to get him. And so what he does, he uses this verse. Now look what he says right here. He says, I got to get a hold of him. Now notice in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehended, but this one thing I do. He has one goal. One sp it's a spiritual goal. Now again, for you, it, you, you should have goals, any kind of goals here, but you also should have spiritual goals. This one thing I do, now notice what he says. He's going to talk about a runner running a race and how he has to forget the things which are behind me. Now, Jonathan, real quickly, show how this Oregon runner took his eyes off the prize. And show that video real quick if it'll work, okay? There's a moral to this story. Uh, yeah, maybe next time wait that extra second before celebrating. A college track star learned the dangers of premature celebration. A runner from the University of Oregon thought he had the race locked up, started waving, pumping up the crowd, and he was passed by a runner from the University of Washington in the final seconds, quick, okay? not just the final seconds. Stop that real quick, Johnson, okay? Now, what'd that guy do? He's running his race here, and he didn't look behind him. But he, he looks up at the crowd. Hey, Mom and Dad here. Hey, I got, hey, Sports Illustrated here. I got this one here. Rodney, what happened to him? He got outran. You know why? Because he took his eyes off the finish line. And you know what? You've seen it before, and I've watched NFL games. They think they're in the end zone here, and they're one foot behind the end zone. They spike the ball. The player picks up, runs the opposite way. You've seen those happen here. They think they're where they're at here. Now, the problem with this guy is, he was not keeping his eye on the goal here. He took his eye off the goal. You see how he just turned to his side right here? It's almost like saying, Mom, I, I won here. Now, this is what I see many, many times. How many of you see Christians start out right, but they get sidetracked? They take the eyes off the prize in this cold thing called the Christian life here. Now, I hate, and I've been in children's ministry, teen ministry here, and I hate when I walk around town and I see a kid that maybe grew up and went to church and now their life is a mess. And I'm thinking, you took your eyes off the prize, amen. And it break, breaks my heart. I don't know about you here. Uh, it breaks my heart when people take their eyes off the prize here. Now, let me ask you a question. If it breaks my heart, do you think God who created you, who gave you life, who gave you purpose, who, who gave you a job to do before you were born, do you think it breaks your heart when God says, I'm taking my eyes off the prize to pursue something here and pursue something else here? And then he said, man, I lost it. I lost a race here. No, I, I, I messed up here. How do you think that Oregon guy felt? National TV. <laughs> Man, I would have been like, I'm hiding myself here. But let me ask you a question. Do you ever think how God felt? Do you ever think how God feels where it said, I made them? 
I made them to be like, to get saved, to be like me. I made them for a mission, and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Now, can this happen in Christianity? Yeah. Is it happening in Christianity here? We are, we are taking our eyes off the ball, and is Satan very smart? Man, Satan's real smart here. Now, look at this next thing here. And it's a, it's a, it, so he says to forget those things of which are behind. Now, let's pause right here, okay? Now, that's two things. Let's talk about Paul's achievements here. This is, this was, he had written this several years after he went on missionary journeys and did a lot of great things here. Can you and I look back and say, hey, we've accomplished a lot in life here. And say, hey, I did this and this and this and this. And then, yeah, we did this and this and this and started this and this and this and this and this. And, and we spend all of our time looking back that we never look forward to what God has the next phase of our life for us. Now, can we do that? Can we look back at the good old days of what we did behind us? Yeah, churches do that all the time. They say, oh, I remember I did this, and I remember I did this, I remember this, okay? But what about the future? What about the rest of your life? Are we just going to sit on a church pew and say, look what I did a long time ago here? No. Does God have some things for you in the future here? Now, let's look at the, let's look at the other thing. Let's look at the past. Did Paul kill people? Yeah. Do you think he could have looked at his life and he could have looked at his life and looked back and said, man, God can't use me. I did this and I did this and everything. I hear people say all the time, I messed up or God can't do this here. And they're constantly looking back here. Now, that's a danger to your spiritual life both ways. When you're looking back at everything you've accomplished here, and that's all done here. That, that's done. Amen. What's next? Brother Ken Dyer used to tell us here, once we get a project done, we always say, what's next? Okay? Because if you don't have a what's next done, then, then, then you're not going to have nothing to accomplish. And when you accomplish a spiritual goal, you ought to be saying, God, what do you want for me to do next here? Now, but look what he says right here. And I love what he says right here. It says, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things that would be before. Now, notice what he says right here. He's, he's like a race, and he's reaching to the finish line. I press, I give it all toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. It's like he's running a race here, and he says, man, I'm giving it all I've got here. Now, look at this next runner here. Uh, this guy was crazy here, but look at this next runner here. He gives it all he's got. You know why he gives it all he's got? His mom was at the finish line here. And he came in second place the year before, and he didn't want to do that. So, Jonathan, show that one real quick. thinking on the dismount there coming off at the line look I closed my eyes over hurdle hurdle 10 I opened it saw my mind at the finish 
and I jumped to give her a hug. And that's all it is. <laughs> that's all. It had nothing to do with I was second last year, and I really, really wanted it this year. No. Nope. So last year he came in second, but he saw somebody at the finish line. He said, Mom, Mom was there. He said, Man, I wanted to come and finish at the finish line, so I don't know if I would do that. <laughs> but how many agree? That's pretty radical to say, I am going to stretch my body and I'm going to dive and get burned just so I can win. Amen. Because he is, it was his senior year. It was his senior year. And he says, I can't repeat my senior year here in college here, so I'm going to give it all I got here. And so he, he looks and says, now, you realize, folks, you can't repeat life. You can't just say, hey, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do these things here. You only got one life to live, and it is not a soap opera. It is your life here that God's gave you, and you have salvation, and, God, and you ought to know God here. You ought to be like Christ here. But look what he says right here. Look quickly here. Look quickly at verse 12, 16. And if you're mature, you're going to think like this. Now, you've got to grow, but he says, let us therefore as many be perfect. And there's the word perfect. It's different than the word that was perfect before. The word perfect means mature, be thus minded. Look what he says right here. If any other of the others be otherwise minded, who's going to reveal this unto you? You know, that's what he says in verse 16. Nevertheless, we have already obtained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let's, let's have the same goal. Let's have the same mind and the same thing here. Now, he says, let's think alike here, okay? Uh, let's become mature and let's grow in the Lord here. And if we're not doing this, who's going to speak to you? Who's going to speak to you? Now, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you had a good old-fashioned, and we in Baptist churches don't talk about the Holy Ghost enough, but I, like, I believe you should because it's Bible, amen. When's the old-fashioned Holy Ghost spirit-filled conviction in a Baptist church or Christians happening today in America? Don't, don't you think we need some good old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction of where we are at today? But you know what? Today, we like to just run the race, and we like to say, hey, we're... Or we did this, or we did this, okay. But we don't want to be that person that says, I'm going to give it all I got. But are there people out there that Paul said once started outright? And look at verse 22, 17 quickly. It says, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them so which walk so as for an example here. Now, why do we need examples? Why do we need examples? Everybody has examples. Sports world has examples, right? Little kids have examples to follow. You know, you, what's uh, the Olympics? Simone Biles and all those things, and they do all those things, and all these little girls, they go, that's this, and that, that's an example for them. And, and, you know, they see football players, they have examples here and things like this, but why do we need, why do younger kids and, and less mature Christians, why do they need an example to follow? That's right. They need that encouragement, right, Rodney? And they need to know, I need to be going somewhere. Because if we're in park, we're not going nowhere, right? Now, how many of you realize this? Today, Christians, they don't, they don't have that example anymore. How many of you realize we don't have very good examples in anything anymore? Okay? And we need some examples of people who say, I want to give God everything with my life here. I want to know him more and become more like him. But are there people out there that once started out right that, that made Paul sad? Look what he says right here in verse 17 quickly. Never, brethren, be followers together of me. Mark them with so, as you have an example. 
For many walk, notice in verse 18, of whom I told you often, and now I tell you even what? Now something made him cry because many now that once started out right, now they're living their life as an enemy of Christ. Now, how are they an enemy of Christ? Who's in this destruction here, their spiritual destruction, whose God is their belly. He's not talking about, he's not talking about gluttony here, okay? He's talking about the, the, the self-satisfying desires here. Whose glory is in their shame, who mind what? Earthly things here. Now, why does he say here, I'm weeping here because there are people out there that live their life for themselves and they mind earthly things and they forget all about me. Does God weep? Is God weeping over you today? Does, do pastors weep? Do youth pastors weep, Mark? Okay. Children's pastors weep everywhere because you're thinking today people are so off course and they're not becoming like the army. Be all you can be here. But they say, well, I thought we're going to be in heaven and we're going to be like Jesus Christ. Look at verse 20 and then we're going to be done. And Mark, if you could get the kids downstairs because we want to do this. For our conversation, our citizenship, where, where's our final citizenship at? We live in heaven. Okay. Who shame, who mine? Earthly things. It says, whenceforth we look for the Savior, Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So God's going to change our vile bile. It's going to make it like his glorious body according to the working where he is able even to subdue all things unto who? Himself. Now look, at, look quickly at 1 John 3 and then I'll, I'll be done. I'll tell you a quick story. 1 John 3. You know, in heaven we're going to be exactly like Jesus Christ, but that's no reason to sit around and not become like Jesus Christ on earth. Look at 1 John 3, verse 1. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world, it, it doesn't know us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what shall, we shall be. Now notice what he says. But we know, we're positive, that when we shall appear, when he shall appear, we shall what? We're going to be exactly like him. For we shall see him as he is. Every man has his hope in him. He purifies himself here. So, so one day we, in heaven, we're going to be like Jesus? Perfection, perfect knowledge here. But what about on earth? Does your time on earth matter here? Yes, it matters very, very, very much of what you do with your life. I don't want to be the runner that says, hey, I lost. I lost. I, don't want, I want to be the guy that says, I'm going to give it all I got because mom's there here. Now, let me quit with this last illustration. This is a made-up story, but uh, I, I, I saw it, and I thought, man, this is cool. There was a little boy who wanted to learn to play the guitar. So his mother and father said, if you are going to learn to play guitar, then you are going to have to practice, 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 because we're going to pay for that guitar ourselves. So the little boys agreed, yes, I'm going to play guitar. I'm going to practice, 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 practice. So he began to practice, 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 practice. And one day, his friends came over, and they were playing basketball. And they said, you want to play? And he was like, oh, I don't want to practice. I want to play. I want to play. And his mom and dad said, we paid a lot of money for that guitar, so you got to practice. So here's what he did. 
practice. My heart's not in it. My heart's not in it. And then an angel came to this boy and said, I'm going to take you to the Carnegie Mellon Hall. And so he took him in a dream to the Carnegie Mellon Hall, and there was this guy playing the guitar, blessing people beautifully and, and, and just being a blessing to people. And the little boy looked up and he said to the angel, who is that boy? He said, that's you in the future. That's you in the future. If you'll get back down there and practice and devote yourself and give yourself and not get sidetracked, that'll be you. And you know what he did? He went down. He said, boys, I'll play basketball with you after I devote my time. And he went on to be a great guitar player. And you know what, folks, today we need to be focused. We need to be focused. And we're running this race called life. And you never know when it'll end. Amen.